Hey friends, it's Kelly Bennett, and this is a podcast of Brave Conversations. The world can feel deeply dividing. However, I personally believe hearing stories of real, authentic, brave conversations on topics like gender, gender identity, sexuality, race, religion, to economic justice, creativity, politics, music, art, and family, upbringing, trauma, healing, community organizing, and more, we can actually see how we're all deeply connected. As I work to curate a community-based economy, I want to share the brave conversations of people, brands, and experiences that are truly bringing the community together. Stay tuned for weekly interviews of incredible humans that I'm hanging with and talking with. Thanks for listening to the With Brave Company podcast. So what I wanted to say too is I've been wanting to like talk to you more and like understand more of like the behind the scenes of your brain. Mm. So when I was thinking about interviewing people on my podcast, you've been on like my top 10 list because I'm like, oh, I'll just record it. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And other people could hear the insides of your brain because, yeah, because I think that um, just like more observing the work that you're doing and just like seeing you as a human being and just you being such a brave individual. Like I really see you as such a brave, courageous human of you just being a human for real. So I'm like. I know other people will dig, you know, hearing more about you and your creative process and what you're working on. So thanks wow. for sharing it out Thank loud. You. I appreciate that so much. Of course. Um, I think it, it says a lot about you as a person too. You know, I feel like you've known me for a few years now. Mm-hmm. We've known each other. I mean, I've been in Vegas for like four years. Um, I met you, I feel like so soon after I moved here at Veggie Nation um, and maybe even before that. Yeah, who Tree was asking me. Yeah, I, I can't I even like, remember I don't know the moment, the moment we met. Yeah, I just remember I, I as soon as I met you, I saw you all the time. Yeah, but it was always like yeah, <laughs> and it was always like holy shit, Kelly's here. Wow, okay, so this is gonna be a great day, and I don't even know why I felt that way. It was just like you as a human being just brought that positivity into my life. Obviously, because I needed it. It was almost like a mirror. Really? Yeah. No, no, no. Every time I see you, I'm like, ooh, oh my god. Sunshine. You don't ever feel wow. that? Yeah, no. That's it's, so it's nice. It's beautiful. Yeah, you don't... I hope you feel that about yourself every time yeah, you Yeah, no, I up. feel good. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> we all feel I great. I wouldn't be like, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think it says, I think it says a lot about the work that you're doing as well. Well, that's really cool. That's really kind. Yeah, Thank you. Of course. Because yeah. today I felt like... Uh, I had more of a human moment because I've been yeah. like on this hustle and grind of like yeah. trying to create all these things, and then oh today my, my body was like, "You need to take a nap," and I was like, "No." <laughs> no, what I need to do is I need to work. Yeah, harder, I was like, obviously. "No, I can push yeah. through it." Yeah. <laughs> and then my body was like, "Whoa!" And I was like, "I gotta go." <laughs> so I yeah, left co-working, yeah. and then I I really went home and I ate spaghetti and I mm-hmm. wrote my notes for our podcast mm-hmm. and I laid down. And I was like, "Oh, okay, yep." This is this could be part of it too. Mm-hmm. So thank yeah. you for and I was like I feel like Ash would appreciate me more coming up and being like a grounded human versus me just blowing through mm-hmm. and being on like you know like mm-hmm. not being grounded. Mm-hmm. 
I felt like you would appreciate more of a grounded yeah. Kelly. No, no, no. I think so that I was being like, grounded okay, in, in... I'll take a minute. Yeah. I, I think that's important, though, because you're aware of that. Yeah. So the awareness in itself shows your own growth, right? Oh. So I think for me as well, like, when I was coming here, I get really nervous. I mean, I get okay. nervous every time I'm on the mic as a poet, every time... I was going to say because you're a performer. Yeah, every time I'm, I'm on the mic as a host for my open mic, like, every time I get up there, I still get nervous. Well, that's and good. It is, because I also notice that, you know, it's perception. So is nervousness really nervousness? Do we need to look at it negatively, or can we look at it positively and mm. assert more of a positive nature to it to where it's like, is nervousness or fear, in a sense, um, for us, excitement? Mm-hmm. Because for me, I'm also very excited, because I'm here yeah. doing this with you, whom I absolutely adore, and I have watched you grow as an individual and what you're doing, and I appreciate every single venture that you've been doing and the Thank work you. that you've been doing within the community as well as being a creative director as well as, I mean, downtown, here at Veggie Nation, like, everything you've done. So I'm like, oh my shit. <laughs> I think I'm just really excited, and I don't even know how to contain it because um, I think we allow ourselves to go negative first. Mm. And that's something I think we all need to be aware of. Um, even in grounding ourselves of, <sighs> okay, I'm, I'm, fe- I'm having a human moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do I do to feel through this? Mm-hmm. And how do I become grounded? Um, and for me, a lot of the times it comes from gratitude. It comes from reminding myself that, um, again, I am human. Um, I'm allowed to cry. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed to feel like I'm being dramatic. And I'll just be dramatic and I'll be like, oh, you don't need to cry over this. Why are you crying so much? Don't do that to yourself. And the other side of me is like, all right, Ash, just do it. Just get through it. And I'm like, okay. Because obviously my whole life, you know, as I I come up to these moments and I think about it to where I'm like, how many times have I not allowed myself to feel human? How many times have I not allowed myself to cry because I felt like I'm not allowed to? Mm. And when did I give myself that permission slip? Where was it? Like, where did it come from? Um, And I I think that it comes from being around positive individuals like yourself or people who are brave and understanding that there's only one life that you have to live. Mm -hmm. So you might as well live it as yourself. Where do we come from if we're not ourselves? That's so well said. (laughs) Basically answer quite a bit of my question. No, 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 it's just amazing. So we'll dive deeper. So um, let's get into it. So the first question I always ask people, because I think people tell their best uh, expressions of themselves, how do you describe yourself? How do you self-identify? How do you... um, yeah, just describe who you are and where you're at. Mm. Wow. That's that's an abundant question. Yeah. We're describe getting things cut <laughs> straight like to the start. Yeah. No, I really yeah, like yeah. it. Um, I think that if someone were to ask me that and I really had to come down to the core of it, I'd say I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a human being who has gone through struggles and realized how abundant and wonderful life is. Um, I'm a writer at the very core of myself. Uh, I think sometimes when people ask me, they're like, hey, 
when did you start writing? And I'm like, oh man, I was birthed from writing. I came out of the womb and I was already really? writing. I was already writing. Um, and I think I've been writing my story ever since, even if it is just through the act of breathing um, or uh, the act of being creative through another venture like tie-dye. Um, I think that also, uh, I like to throw out sometimes, um, not to be, not to throw people off, but I'm also transgender. Mm -hmm. So I think that that aligns with my core being to where I have been birthed from a certain, you know, understanding where people have viewed me to now to where people view me as this different person who I feel like I reflect on the outside. Um, but sometimes people s don't see me on the inside the way I need them to. And that, that's kind of confusing, I think, now that I'm saying it out loud. Uh, but I, I pass really you. well. Mm -hmm. I pass really well as, oh yeah, this dude over here. Right. Right. So in, in a setting of um, cisgender people, for instance, uh, I will pass as a dude and they'll feel comfortable to talk to me about, you know, different topics than maybe they would around women. Um, and that for me has been a big mind blowing thing. Um, so I think that that has wrapped me into who I am as a core being because I've experienced obviously 25 years of my life as being seen from society as a woman on the inside of me, have felt differently, right. but I didn't come into it until 25. Very, it's a little bit late. I mean, people come into it later, but still. That's how I felt feel about being gay. Like I really yeah. came out when I was thirty. Yeah. And I'm like, God, quite <laughs> quite an elder. Yeah, you're like, oh, the old lady. She came I out eventually. Yeah, yeah, she was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I tried. I experimented yeah. for yeah. many years. Yeah. So but I could I, feel you on that. You're like, but twenty five. That's still very fucking brave. I mean, mm. that's young. It Even is. how many years you're going to live on this earth, you know, like that it is. is super young. And I think, yeah, when you look at it like that, it's almost like a chapter, right? You're reading right. a book and you're like, all it's right, like the I'm, first I'm, quarter. Yeah, I'm going through these pages and I'm like, okay, well, this is the fir yeah, first quarter of your mm -hmm. life. You know, what has really defined you as being you. And I think that poetry has made a big impact on my life. Like people ask, again, people ask me, you know, when did you start writing? Or if I'm teaching poetry in schools to kids, when did you start writing? And I'm like, ooh, yeah, again, I've been writing since like birth. But serious, on the serious note, I've been writing probably since I was 10, since I was able to write cursive. I write cursive all the time. That's my that's my way of writing. I only write in cursive or caps. Really? Yeah. No, cursive or caps. Like, I love cursive. The fact that it's not being taught in schools anymore is like kind of breaks my heart, but... That's a different topic. Yeah. Um, so I think that, like, as soon as I was able to form, like, conscious thought and I was able to apply it to paper is when I really came into myself. Um, I remember writing one of my first poems, uh, and it was, at, it was about being adopted, and it was called Wild Child. And I don't know why it stuck with me this whole time, my whole, like, writing career, I feel like, but... It's been in the back of my mind, like, Wild Child was, like, where I first started. You know, you always have those, like, first really? writings. Yeah. Are you adopted? I am. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was adopted when I was about three years old. Really? Yeah. Um, I, I was actually adopted through my mother's side of the family. Mm -hmm. um, my mom's aunt is my biological mother. 
Got it. Yeah, so my mom and my dad raised me since I was three, um, and it's been, I feel like, my life wouldn't be what it is today without that factor. Like, I see myself, like, I've, I still have a semi-okay relationship with my aunt, um, but, you know, seeing where she is now with her kids and her life, I'm like, wow, I, I, it could have been so different than what it is now. Mm. Um, my dad was military. He was in the Air Force uh, for 27 years. Yeah, 27 years. I think. Wow. Don't quote me on that. I think it was 27. But he instilled a lot of values in me since I was a little kid. And the same with my mom. She's a very strong individual. You know, my dad would be overseas for years or he would be on missions to where he would be at war. He was a fighter pilot in the Air Force. Fuck, wow. So... She would be terrified, but of course she was taking care of... I also have a, a sister. She's a little bit older than me. Um, she'd be taking care of us kids, and um, she was worrying about my dad on the other side, right? But she also had to make sure we were raised well while my dad wasn't there, and she still invalued me, like, courage, um, being brave, being able to speak, speak your own truth. Um, my mom, I feel like, is one of the most courageous beings I've ever known, and I think I've only come into that realization recently or appreciate appreciating it right when mm-hmm. when you get older you're mm-hmm. like wow yeah you're like holy you're, shit i was yeah. a bad kid god <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah i know that's i mean there are conversations that i've had with them where i'm like wow i'm i'm so sorry it was this way or it was that way and they you know they've always said you know all we've ever wanted for you was for you to be happy mm. living your own truth like you have to live your life for you you have to do this for you. You have to be a leader in these circumstances. My dad, of course, Air Force, like leadership, leadership, leadership. He would, he would send me to leadership training. He would send me to leadership training. Yeah. And I never, I don't think I ever really understood it because I never saw myself growing up as a leader. Um, I, maybe I didn't want to emulate that role. Mm. I was too scared to be brought into that place. Um, but he always saw it. He always saw it in me. He would send me books. Look at your work now. I mean, you're mm-hmm. leading in the community. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah, and I think that if I didn't have those experiences when I was younger, how would I know what to do with them now? Mm. You know, when I'm I'm hosting my open mic and people are coming up to me and they're saying, you know, thank you for seeing me. You know, not in those mm. exact words, but it's I'm asking them to feature and I'm saying, this is your platform. Please utilize it for you. Because it's not about me. It's not about the hosts of the open mic. It's not about the open mic itself. It's about you utilizing this platform any way that you can to boost your own self into realization. And to tell your story. And to tell your story. And I don't think um, young people or artists have enough of those platforms to where they feel safe in. Mm. And luckily, the Campfire Open Mic has become a place where people feel very safe to be vulnerable, to be themselves. Like, I remember last week I was crying on the mic about things, and I was like, oh my gosh, guys, thank you so much mm-hmm. <laughs> for just being here and allowing me to cry, and people are just... And where and when me. does that happen? Um, it's, so, yeah, a little promo. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, it's every first and third Wednesday at Rebar. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. 1225 South Main Street. Cool. So it's, it's, it's a nice venue. It's 21 and up. That's the only thing. 
um, but it's out in like the back patio, so it's like halfway outdoor yeah. indoor kind of space. That back patio is yeah. really cool, right? I mm-hmm. love it there. It's it's developed into more and more. I think the the owner of Rebar, Derek, he's a phenomenal individual. Mm-hmm. Um, the same with our sound guy Vex, he's phenomenal. They're always there supporting us. They're always buying us new equipment. Um, to where we can become a better open mic. I mean, they do a lot of events there, but sometimes they're just like, hey, what do you guys need? And they'll just, I mean, where do you find a venue like that who just gives to you? I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Um, And that for me is just, I have to go into it, but big magic. Mm. I I told you I wanted to talk about that. That for me is like big magic. Um, and uh, I don't know if you looked into it at all, but... I had the book and my dog yeah. ate it. <laughs> <laughs> so fill me in. <laughs> it's okay. Oh my gosh, that is just wonderful. Yeah. My dog ate it. Wow. Like, it's like literally. my dog ate my homework. Yeah. Yeah, Like wow. that dog literally ate <laughs> my book. Wow, hopefully over. they like took in some of that He's big fine. Yeah. Yeah? yeah, he's a little nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Big Magic is a book written by uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Yep. Phenomenal writer. Um, I haven't gotten around to reading Eat, Pray, Love just yet, or even watching the movie. I wanted to read the book first. Um, But this book, Big Magic, is uh, creative living beyond fear. Mm. So I think I have have it on Audible, and I've listened to this book 20 times. Really? And every time I cry. Every time I cry, every time it hits me in a different spot of growth to where I didn't even realize that I needed it. And I, I was listening to it again today because I've, I've reached another point in my life where it's, it's stress inducing. Um, and for me, creativity evaporates when I'm stressed out and then I get depressed because mm-hmm. I'm a creative individual. Right. I'm like, I just want to be creative. I just want to share um, in what the universe has offered me as talents or whatever creativity I have. Um, and I have had orders or commissions for transmission, for tie-dye stuff, um, to where I've had to put aside and say, okay, this is a self-care mode. Um, I've had to step back and say, all right, you're sick. There's only so mm-hmm. much excuse me, that you can do while you're sick. So just take this time to rest because creativity is still Isn't there. Isn't it so fucking hard as a creative? Oh my gosh. It's like, I so think it's hard. one of the hardest things mm-hmm. to also be a human and have mm-hmm. human experiences, but also be a creative mm-hmm. and your work is mm-hmm. your creativity. That's how you make money and yeah. live. Yeah, it, it is. And I think that sometimes it scares creativity away. Yeah. And she talks about that point in the book, you know, to it's okay to have a day job and still be creative. Mm-hmm. It's okay to you know, take a big risk. Like for instance, my big risk was six months ago, quitting my full-time job, um, that I did not like, that I felt like drained me. I remember that. Yeah. I remember you talking about that. I think I remember when you first started Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like full of energy. I was like, Oh my gosh, because that job took all my creativity and applied it to the job. And I wasn't receiving anything back. Um, and even though I love the people I was working for, I felt like this was another mode of self-care that I needed to step back from and say, I need to work for me. Mm. I need to put as much effort as I am into this job, into what I believe to be true in myself. Are you full-time now working for yourself? Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. It's, uh, it's really hard, but... 
there, really there are t- yeah, <laughs> and there are times when I'm like, why did you yeah. do this yourself, Ash? Like, what? Why did you do this? Yeah. It's so hard because you make your own hours, um, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes I work 15-hour days and I don't mm-hmm. realize it, but I'm doing what I love, so can I right. really complain? Right. It's like, you know, some other people, they may be working a shit job to where they're like, ah, I hate this, but I'm doing it anyways because I need to pay the bills. And over here, I'm like, well, I just watched a Netflix show and I'm inspired. <laughs> um, and then I did Creativity Outdoors and I was yeah. doing tie-dye all day. Um, and I was just having this conversation uh, with my fiance, actually. Yes, and congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Amazing. Uh, recently engaged. Super awesome. She's an amazing individual. Um, if she wasn't working, she would totally be here. And, really? Like, yeah. She really oh. wanted to be here. Um, so, she's phenomenal. So, we were talking about, um, you know, as far as being a creative, and for me, having that perception of other individuals who... Um, are working those jobs and saying that's not a real job Mm. and for me that may be like my own reflection of self um the dark side of me that's like trying to get to me of like uh your shit doesn't matter you don't matter what you create doesn't matter why are you doing it Mm. and then i do in those moments you know (laughs) i ask myself that that same thing sometimes i wallow in it Mm-hmm. Like, I really just sit in it, and I'm like, am I really making a difference? Does what I do really matter at the end of the day? Um, and I had this this moment today where I just, I said yes. I surrendered to the universe, telling me all of these things, that everything was going to be okay. I surrendered. And I said, if this is what I'm meant to do, it's not supposed to be easy. Mm-hmm. because doing something easy doesn't always mean that you're doing something that matters. Right. So if you think about, for me, I, I think about a lot of how diamonds are made. Mm-hmm. Um, they're made through extreme pressure. They're made through extreme times, sometimes what I feel like is struggle. Um, you can't produce sometimes anything without that struggle, and although sometimes it may have been easy at that time to make it, like what brought you there as far as struggle is concerned? And how can you shift your perception of that struggle to be something that's magnificent? Something that's like big magic of saying, wow, like that's not just coincidence. That's not just coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. I love that. And tell us, Tell us. Tell the people. Because <laughs> um, I love that your brand has a mission. Mm-hmm. And so the first month I signed on to curate uh, Marketing in the Alley with Ashley, mm-hmm. you were one of my f- new vendors. Yeah. And you were on my list of like the people I wanted to make sure were in market. Aww. So I was so grateful that you said yes because yeah. you were on that list. And I was there. like, yeah. I need Transmission. Yeah. Like I need that brand and Ashley. Like, to be a part of it. Thank you. Be- yeah, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, and I love how you're applying your own human experience with a creative outlet, mm-hmm. with a product, mm-hmm. and then also a social mission. So right. can you share more about like the mission that you're on? I can. Yeah, I think that it's evolved. Everything's really good. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I think that it's kind of evolved since inception. So when I first started Transmission, um, it was really about uh, me allowing myself to be creative in a place where I didn't really feel creative. Mm. 
Mm. Um, so for me, I went through a time of severe depression. Um, most of my life, actually, I think that I have been depressed. Um, and we'll get into that, I think, probably later. But I just needed some color back into my life. So when I was a kid, I used to wear color all the time. I loved tie-dye. I loved everything color. I was very vibrant. I smiled all the time, you know, and I I lost that at a certain point in my life. And I think that it, it became a loss because um, I lost myself. Um, I lost myself and the desire to please others before myself mm. uh, because it stemmed from what I've understood now to be a place of survival instinct. Because when you are moving every one to two years, you need to learn how to make friends quick. Like, you need to learn how to make them quick. But you also need to learn how to drop them even faster because you move. And for me, I couldn't deal with that heartbreak every time of making close friends and losing them. Making close friends, losing them. But I wasn't making them authentically. Mm. I was becoming that person that people needed in their lives to remain important to them until I could leave. Because I always left first. I That's was always like, deep for <laughs> well, this for is anybody, like, but like, this is like obviously a recent, you know, understanding of self that I've really, really worked on, um, becoming more positive in nature, um, and really just doing a lot of self depth work. Um, but I realized that, um, you know, two, two or so years ago when I started transmission, um, that my mission for myself was to bring color or light or positivity back into my life because I missed it so much. And I was tired of missing it. I was mm. tired of uh, feeling depressed. And I felt like, okay, like what kind of creative outlet can I have that's mine? Because at the time I was also dating a creative and she was doing everything creative that I could ever imagine, but she wasn't mm-hmm. doing tie-dye. And I was like, ooh, okay, this could be mine. This could be something that I could start. I don't know where it's going to go, but you know what? I'm kind of interested in it. I'm kind of curious about it. So I'm just going to let my curiosity kind of take take itself where it will. Why do I like tie-dye so much? For me, it was the moment of folding up tie-dye and then opening it without expectation and then becoming awed by my own fascination of the art that I had just produced. That's so cool. It was like holy shit, I just made that. I didn't even know it was going to turn out that cool, but it did. (laughs) And then I just kind of evolved with it. Um, And I've noticed, I think, that for me now, what I'm looking at is there aren't any brands for me that I feel comfortable really representing, um, that I feel fully comfortable wearing to where I'm like, okay, well, maybe I just need to create my own brand or my own experience towards it to where I feel invested and I'm what representing myself. What is not aligning myself. in the market? Uh, I think that it's too black and white. And okay. I think that it's too... Too binary? Too binary, too okay. gender specific, mm-hmm. to where I'm like, I don't fit any of those molds that society has created for us. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fit them. How can I break out of this? How can I do that? And I think now it's more about um, reflecting that kind of journey within myself to where it's like, wow, I really love wearing this tie-dye jacket I made because I made it. Mm. But it's not out there for everybody. I made it for myself. Or I went into Savers, for instance. I love upcycling. I love that model. 
you know, going into the community or going into uh, thrift stores and finding some super cool finds yeah, and tie-dyeing them or bleaching them. And, like, it just turns into this brand new experience that people may have looked at that clothing and said, oh, it's dirty, it's old, I don't want to wear it, to where it's like, ooh, shit, that's new shit. Yeah. Wow, I really like that. And it's like, well, see, you just have to change your perception. Mm. That's all it is. Creativity is about sometimes changing perception about our own reality. Um, and I think that's kind of where I'm at, to where I'm like, my mission now is, you know, reflecting authenticity. Um, and I'm not really sure where that's going to take me. Yeah. But I have a design that I do that's about chakras. So I, sh- I tie-dye I chakras. This. Yeah. Um, on t-shirts, I do tapestries. Um, I do, you know, other sorts of clothing that anybody, if they want something tie-dye, they can come to me and, like, we'll work out a deal or trade. Yeah. Like, yeah, Anything let's do tie-dye. it. Let's yeah, go. Let's Anything tie-dye, it. that's really what it is. Um, and I like your... <clears throat> style of tie-dye because I it feels more modern mm. than like a traditional right kind of like what you yeah. think about like the 60s or 70s yeah. like it was cool too because I knew I wanted you at the market and when mm. I was showing the team I'm like this is one of the brands I want to bring to the table and they were all like it's really cool that it feels more modern mm-hmm. and yeah. like the color palettes that you used you make it feel cool again mm-hmm. And that's, that's interesting that you bring that up because a lot of people, you know, even my fiance, she's like, I never liked tie-dye. Like, it's just so bland. It's so 60s or, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever. But then you came in and changed my perception about what that is. I'm like, wow, what is that? Mm-hmm. What is that shift in perception? Like, really, it is just like a small change. It's such a small change. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I feel like it's happening to where people are looking at it and they're like, wow, like I've never seen anything like that. And it's like, well, are you um, not allowing yourself to see it because you've set up a wall for yourself where creativity is concerned? Like, is that a reflection of yourself to where you have your own wall up for something else? Mm. Like, what kind of walls are you perceiving even in this tie-dye? And I like having those conversations. My favorite to do is I have Rorschach. Rorschach tie-dye? Oh, God, it's always like... What is me. it? Rorschach. Okay. Okay. Is that the way to see it? I don't even know what you're it? trying to... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So... Brianna says yes. Yeah. She's like, yeah. She's <laughs> like, it's it. such a team player. I love her. She's nodding her head. She's like, yeah, yes. you're good. Um, so basically, um, it's like a... Almost like a psychology thing to where uh, you're given a card that looks like something. It may just be like painting or, okay. you know, like watercolor or something that's like a reflection of both sides like so it's perfect block. yeah ink block or something like that got it got it got it um and you see your own image that you see there but it's not ever the same for anybody else yep and i do tie like that and i love it when people come up to me like oh my god i see a face there i'm like really <gasps> where do you see it and then yeah. we both become fascinated with the artwork of it's it's a projection of yourself like what are you seeing in this like I was literally outside of Ferguson's just like 20 minutes ago and this guy stopped me he goes oh dude I see skulls on you do you like skulls on my jacket on my tie-dye jacket and I was like oh no I've never what I don't see skulls there he's like yeah I love skulls and he pulled up his shirt and he had skull tattoos and I'm like that's a reflection of you you're seeing what you love within this artwork and that for me lights me up I love that I love That's hearing so that from cool. people. Yeah, no, it's just it's a phenomenal experience. Like the fact that I can do something that I love and it triggers something in somebody else. Like, oh my god, what and a I great feel life. Like that's <laughs> very much the story you've been telling of like that shift of perception. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and even for myself, I think that I've really worked hard on shifting my own perception of who I am mm-hmm. um, to where now I'm looking in the mirror and I can actively say I love you and feel it. And how, what, <laughs> how did you do that? Like, that for me, like when people are able to do that, go from maybe not knowing who's in the mm-hmm. mirror or not connecting or resonating mm-hmm. with who's in the mirror to then being able to look in the mirror and be like, yeah, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, like, I may sort of like you. Yeah. Yeah, I love you today. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that it has come from a lot of dislike of myself. I mm. think I've experienced so much hating of myself that it's like I came to a point where I was like, this is boring. Being scared every day of who I am is boring. Fear is boring. What, how can I transcend that experience? Like, where can I grow? And I think that the moment that I felt like I could embrace myself wholeheartedly, and this is at, you know, this is four years ago. Um, I think I probably have to say this first of, um, I was watching this video, this music video. I forget what it was called, but uh, it was of... Um, this woman who, um, she was all tattooed up. She's, she's like a famous actor, actress. Okay. I forget what her name is though. She has short hair. She was all tattooed up in this video and there was a song in the background. Um, and she had long blonde hair, but she had covered all of her tattoos with makeup. Ruby Rose. Yes. Ruby Rose. That fucking video. Holy yeah. shit. That video. Oh my yeah. God. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. let yeah. me tell you, I'm there with you that that video itself. So just in case nobody else has really heard of it, um, you know, she's, she's in this video and then she starts cutting off her hair and she, she goes into the bathtub. Femme. She looks super, super femme. She's wearing high heels. She's mm-hmm. wearing a dress, you know, everything society All expects of a woman. All her tattoos are covered up. In makeup. Yeah. You yep. can't even, you don't even know that she has tattoos. Yep. And then she starts cutting off her hair and it's like such a dramatic moment. And you're mm-hmm. like, because cutting off your hair, like. You're letting go of things. Like, hair captures memories. Hair captures experiences. Like, for us, it's like, well, that's the first to go when we have a moment. Yep. Like, that's oh, what I did, too. I did that last week. Right? Yep. <laughs> High five. Yes. Yep. Love yep. it. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so, in the video then, she goes into the bathtub, and she's, like, pouring water on herself, and she's scraping, you know, she's washing off all this makeup off of her tattoos, and she's dressing, you know in a butch sort of fashion right. of she's wearing manly clothes. She's allowing her tattoos to show she's wearing her short hair. Like she doesn't mm-hmm. care, mm-hmm. you know, and she doesn't, she's like, this is me no matter what pronoun it is. And for me, I watched that video at a very poignant time, I think in my life. And this for me results in a big magic moment to where it's like, I feel like that mm. at that time I had really long blonde hair beautiful hair like every time women would always tell me they're like oh my god I love your hair so much I'm like yeah it's great isn't it it's so great I wish I could just cut it off really? um, you know kind of feeling of like I don't really feel like this body is mine like it's mine but I don't really feel like it's mine I'm glad you all feel like I'm attractive but I don't feel attractive I don't feel like I love myself like I would wear all of you know the women's clothing I would wear push-up bras I would wear you know tight skinny jeans and you know show off the things that wow. people felt were attractive about me even my hair I left down for um someone I used to date she would tell me like I love your hair long I'd be like okay cool I want it short but it was like 
okay, I'm a people pleaser. So this obviously does something for you. So I'm going to do this for you. And that's not an excuse, obviously, but that's where I was at. I feel you though. And, um, so I watched this video and I just, I was like, I was shocked. And of course this is also the time when Caitlyn Jenner came out. Mm. It was all around this this same time for me where I was so like, So the conversation Holy shit. is becoming more normalized. Yeah, too. yeah, but it was like in a big way. Yeah. In a very, very big way to where it was like you could no longer ignore the existence of these people, mm-hmm. of these beings. Like, we're here, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. Like, just because we may not be seen or seen publicly or societally, like, for people looking at me, they don't know I'm trans. Which is great. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so grateful for that, but it's also really lonely. So, at that time, I was like, "Oh my god, I don't, what is this?" And I then turned more into depression because I was like, "Who is this? Like, ah, like, is this did me?" You know, did you always feel that you were trans? I didn't even know what trans was. Wow. I didn't grow up like my parents. You know, they were very, you know, very by the book, very. Um, conservative, if you will, you know, military background, um, went to church very often, you know, I would go to church all the time, and I think for me at a point, like, I came out when I was gay at 19. I was gonna ask you that, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess this is a good place to also segue. Because that must have been really fucking brave to do. (laughs) Thank you, I appreciate that. It, it was, it was very hard. Um, I remember... Oh my god, I'm laughing now because it just seems so <laughs> hilarious. But I remember when I thought it was a great time for me to come out to my mom. I was like, no. Okay, so I promised myself as soon as I figured out who I was, like I really liked women more than I thought I did, like more than friendly. I was like, I just really want to make out with them. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Sex? Yeah, okay, cool. That's great. I like this a lot more than the other experience. This yeah. is super cool. I don't feel like I have to cry myself to sleep yeah, after yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, <laughs> you feel it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, after that experience at 19, I promised myself, I said, all right, so your first girlfriend that you ever have is when you'll tell your parents that you're gay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, we're going to do it. Got my first girlfriend. It was awesome. <laughs> and I loved it. I was like, okay, but you made this promise. Like, you got to follow through. Because if you don't keep your own word, how can you expect other people to do it for you? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh shit, okay, all right. <laughs> All right, well, <clears throat> now's as good as time as any. We are at the Silver Diner. I'm not sure if people know that on the West Coast, but on the East Coast is a big thing. It's like an old diner. It's like kind of trashy. You know, okay. It's great. It's really wonderful. You go in. I used to go to the Silver Diner with my parents all the time. I went to the Silver Diner in the morning with my mom. My dad was away <laughs> on a business trip. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember I'm eating this really great breakfast with my mom, and I love breakfast food. I love breakfast food. We were eating pancakes, you know, like waffles, everything. And um, my mom is asking me about dating. You know, uh-huh. she's like, you know, do you have any boys in your life? And I'm like, <laughs> shit, I just let that chuckle out out loud, you know. <laughs> and she's like, well, why is that comical? Why is that funny? I'm like, well, you know, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm gay. You know, I say it kind of quiet. And I'm sure maybe it's not exactly how it came out. Obviously, yeah. over the years, it's probably turned into that big fish story. You know, it was a little right, fish, right, and right, it was, right. like, huge at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But for me at that time, I remember saying, you know, I'm gay. And she was like, what? What do you mean? What are you talking about? It's like, you know, I like women. I'm dating a woman. I have a girlfriend. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. I just kind of got it all out yeah. at one time. 
And um, she was shocked. She was just, she had nothing, she had nothing to say. And for me, I was like, ooh, silence is better than screaming. <laughs> this went really well. And I remember yeah. we got back into the car after breakfast. You know, we finished breakfast, you know, whatever, whatever. Texted my girlfriend. Holy shit, that went so well. Like, da 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 it was so awesome. <sighs> that was not the case. And then the reality set in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this day <laughs> was on June 19th. I'll never forget this day because that was also my best friend's birthday. Okay. So that night, you know, I made plans with my best friend, obviously, to go out and celebrate her. We both had our girlfriends. You know, we are going to go out and have the gay experience in D.C. Love Back it. when 18 and up clubs were a thing. Love You'd it. go out, right? Love it. Mm-hmm. So I was out there. We were about to go out and dance, you know, do everything crazy. My dad was getting home that night. And um, we are driving to go to the club and the car breaks down. So we have to walk to the nearest gas station. My dad calls me. He's like, where are you? I'm coming to pick you up. And I'm like, what? No, it's it's Glenn's birthday. Like, we're going to go celebrate. This yeah. is a, an amazing thing. Like, no. He was like, no, you're coming home. We have things to talk about, you know, sort of thing. Like, he was very serious. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. I don't know if I want to tell him where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I tell I him where I'm yeah. at. I don't know. <laughs> I'm walking to a gas station. Not his place. <laughs> yeah. So he... Um, I, I think either he came to pick me up or we finally got gas for the car. Oh, no. We got gas for, for the car, filled it up. They drove me. Met in, like, a Panera parking lot. And then I get into the car with my dad. And my mom is sitting there, like, silent. And he's just screaming at me. He's like, how could you do this to your mother while I'm not here? How could you do this? How could you do this? And that's all I can remember in my head being repeated. Um... And it was a very hard time for me. It was a very, very hard time. Fuck, and you very were nice. I mean, that's really young, yeah. too. It, it's young, but I also feel like, you know, at the same time, um, it's not. You know, I, I had experienced already so much <clears throat> through 19 years of life. And I was like, well, you know, like, I'm just trying to embrace who I am. Like, you guys have always told me just to be who I am. Like, I can't be anybody else. And for me, in that moment, it was just an experience of... I just want to share this with you. I just want you to be part of this magnificent thing that I'm becoming because I'm doing everything that you have told me to do in my life. And I just want you to appreciate that. I want you to be part of it and celebrate in it with me. And again, this is not telling of my parents. Like, they're amazing individuals. But in those moments, I think for them it was a big shock because they didn't know. Mm. They didn't know. And that was their biggest thing. They were like, this is not you. We don't... There are signs and I think that they had a grieving period because our parents, like, they obviously already have, like, a path for us to go on in their heads right. where they, they see us being these brilliant minds and they just want what's best for us. I mean, if we're lucky, our parents want that for us. A thousand um, percent. And for me, I think my parents have always pictured, you know, me happily settled down behind a white picket fence with a family and kids and a husband who loves me and at that moment it was shattered and all they could do was be shocked Mm. you know oh my god I can't believe like and maybe even to them they were like her life is going to be so hard right we just want to save her from this right you know in those moments and for me looking back I realized that that's probably a lot of what it was Mm. was just shock um but of course I took it very much to heart I took it very much to you know, the book was thrown at me, and I say the book as the Holy Bible because mm. my grandmother is very religious. 
they tried to send me off to camp of, you know, straight camp at a time when I was in college. Luckily, this was at a time when I could go back to college and I could kind of escape reality for a little Mm. bit and be myself. Um, But even then I struggled because I felt like, you know, if my parents can't accept me, like, is this really me? Right. You know, or is this just... If you don't feel like you have your family... Right. And your family is supposed to get, like, get you 110. Like, they're always there for you. Yeah. If you're lucky. Again, I say that from a very privileged standpoint Mm -hmm. because my parents have always advocated for me and my happiness. Like, they've always loved me very, very deeply. Sometimes to the detriment of themselves. Um, So, with that experience, you know, already in my past, so you have that kind of outlook with my family. They've experienced this. You know, I I did my own thing. I went my own way. Um, I left the house, you know, because it was too much stress. Um, And I went through a lot of trials. I went through a lot of experiences with abusive exes, with people who didn't treat me like I need to be treated because I didn't see the value in myself. Mm. Um, So I became very, very depressed over those next few years, even more so than... Um, I have a poem about it, but of being 14 and trying to kill myself with pills. Like, that was even before I had experienced, like, I didn't know who I was. And I'm coming into this realization, and I'm still like, holy shit, like, if God doesn't want me to be this person, if God is saying that I can't be this person, and I need to be someone else, like, who am I supposed to be? Wow. Um... And I had no idea. Like, I'm a fucking kid. Like, what? And I can't talk to my family about it, you know? Like, I had already severed that tie, I think on purpose for myself, because I needed to make my own way. Like, I couldn't... You already made that disconnect. Yeah. In which you you said that you did quite well, because you had to move so much. So, mm-hmm. like, right, kind of right. already, like, disconnected. I was like, well, cut that tie. Yeah. I gotta cut that tie. I gotta put that stuff all the way down. I gotta shove it all the way down. That's the only way I can get through this is just to shove it down and I'll just get a job. I'll just, you know, date people. I'll do my own thing. At least I have a car. At least I'm making money. At least I can, you know, survive on my Mm -hmm. own without my family. All right. You know what? I'll make my own family. Like, I knew what the fuck that was. Mm -hmm. Like, I grew up having to leave people every two years. Like, I don't know how to fucking keep friends. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. so I just moved. I kept moving. I kept doing my own thing. And then coming back to this video... I was in a fairly stable relationship, and I say fairly because it wasn't really. I think my perception of what stable was at that time was manipulated, um, probably by myself, um, to where I just wanted to be loved for who I was. And I'm watching this video, right, of Ruby Rose, and I'm like, holy shit, I think, I don't know why, but this resonates with me. And I, I was so terrified. I was so terrified. I was like, what does this mean? what does this mean for me? Like, I had no way to make any sense of it. Like, I had grown up very conservatively. Like, I had only just, you know, quote-unquote, gone into the gay scene, you know, a few years. Like, it wasn't that long. Like, I didn't have a lot of experience. I didn't have anybody that I knew of who was trans. I had nobody to talk to about it. I was like, well, maybe I am. I don't know why, but, you know, this person is coming out, and this might be something, and I don't know why, but it might be. Um... And I just sort of became curious about it uh, and allowed myself to be curious um, and to come into it in a creative standpoint of like how, 
how can I come at this like one step at a time? Um, and the first step was like realizing like it was a part of me and that took a long time. That wasn't How like, were you brave enough to like fully embrace that? Cause I know even just coming, like coming to grips that I was gay, like took a lot mm-hmm. and I had, I was like, okay, I need to make sure I can make money mm-hmm. and I'm okay with right. like losing everything. Yeah. But as long as I can make money, like I came yeah. out to my clients first. Yeah. Then my family. Cause right. I'm like, well, if they'll still pay me, mm-hmm. I'll figure it out. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right, right. So what was, what was like that thing that you're like, no, it's worth figuring out. It's worth. Um, I think that I was tired of killing myself every day. Mm. And I think that's like a very poignant point. Like it's very blunt, but I think that like for me, I was tired of waking up sad. I was mm. tired of looking in the mirror sad because, you know, every day and I'm not trying to you know, obviously boast myself or say, Ooh, yeah, like, look at me. I'm super pretty. But at that time, like, you know, the person I was dating really loved the way that I look. People loved the way that I look. I would get compliments all the time on my hair or, you know, the way I did my makeup or, you know, like, holy shit, you're a beautiful person. And I was like, mm. oh, okay, great. Well, I don't but on it. the inside, I didn't feel it. that it didn't resonate. No. And the first step for me was cutting my hair. I cut all of my hair off. And for some reason, that step was like, oh, wow, I can breathe better. I don't know why, but I can. Wow. Um, and then I, you know, I talked to the person I was dating to at the time, and I told them about uh, how I felt, that I felt like I was trans. Um, and uh, they didn't believe me. They didn't believe me. She, uh, she told me that she didn't believe that that was truly who I was, that maybe I was, you know, emulating somebody else or I just wanted attention or, you know, something like that. And, um, I remember coming out to my parents my parents kind of said the same thing to where they felt like because it was trending, I felt like I needed to be part of that trend. Um, and for me, I was like, I don't understand why somebody would be part of a trend like this it's a pretty intense trend (laughs) trending yeah Yeah. it's like it's a really intense thing to do you give up like a lot to be part of this quote-unquote trend i don't understand how this is trending maybe what's trending is people becoming authentic and being more aware of who they are like let's applaud that why are we saying that that's not okay um but i remember coming out to my parents for the second time because again i have this thing that I just I want to include my parents in all aspects of the beauty of life because I feel like I put them through quote-unquote so much sadness so much depression that I was like oh wow this is a big moment I want them to be part of this so I called them on Skype and I told them and that I had shaved my head at this point and I was already mm, no I hadn't started testosterone yet but at this point we had had a conversation over Skype and they just they were blown away again. They're like, we don't know like how to deal with this, you know, kind of thing. Um, and unfortunately, at that time, because I was in such a fragile state of understanding myself, and they had no understanding of who I was and couldn't support me in this growth, I had to cut them off. Damn. And it was heartbreaking. It was like one of the hardest moments of my life. I spent a year without them, without talking to them. I said, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you. And luckily... You know, for me, I had a great distance. They live on the East Coast. I live on the West Coast now. Okay. Um, and I and just... And how long ago was that? That was, so... Let's see... 2014? 2014. 2015. I'm just trying to think of when I moved. 
Yeah, it was about four and a half years ago. Oh, so it's not that long ago. Yeah, it's really not. It's really not that long ago. Um, But I noticed that my mental and emotional state improved now that I didn't feel like I needed to work for my parents' acceptance. And you didn't have that expectation of who you had to be. And I think I needed to just release myself of that for a little Mm -hmm. while and kind of come away from that um, to realize who I was. Um, And now, like, like talking to, like, how do you come to that point of looking in the mirror and realizing Mm -hmm. who you are? I think it's also about who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. Um, At that time, I was surrounding myself with negative individuals, you know, and, and they, all they did was gossip. All they did was talk about people. All they did was talk about how hard their lives were or their problems in their lives. They didn't see the beauty in it. So for me, neither could I. I lived in that. I'm an empath. Like, I lived in that Mm -hmm. with them. I allowed myself to be sucked into that. And I dated people who were negative all the time. I always wanted more. I was offered the opportunity to date positive people, and I did. But I would release myself of those relationships as soon as I realized I was the toxic one. I'd say, I can't. You can't be around me. Like, I, I, I love you or I appreciate you too much. I see your value too much for, for you to be in my life right now, no matter what kind of impact you may have, because this will affect you. And I'm not in a good place. I'm not in a good place. And I've hurt so many people because I have not been in a good place. And it's heart-wrenching for me, but I know now I'm in a better place to where I can say, how can I heal? What can I do better? I started to surround myself with positive people. And that was not easy. Like, positive people, they don't take your shit. Mm-hmm. Like, they're very blunt. And they're doing their shit. They're like, nope, this is what I'm doing. And it may not be every single day. You don't have to be positive every single day to be a positive person. Like, that's an expectation, I feel like. It's yeah. very heavy to put yeah. on yourselves. Again, being human. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that pressure in myself at some days. And I'm, I'm like, sure you do. You have okay. a lot on your shoulders. Okay, like, yeah. I'm I'm here. Yeah. I'm positive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm fucking stressed out <laughs> Fake right it till you second. make it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. a very true thing. Um, so I think that, like, as I was going through those trials or challenges that the universe was presenting to me, it was... I needed to learn a lesson, but I wasn't learning it. Hmm. And so the universe would so say... Keep showing up. Yep, the universe would say, okay, well, you obviously haven't learned your lesson yet, yeah. and you are asking for more negativity in your life. I have all these beautiful things I can give you, but you want this? Okay, you're asking for it, so I'm going to give it to you again. All right, here it is. You're not happy. Like, what else do you want? Okay, you want to be more unhappy? Here you go. Here you go. And um, for me, I think that a lot of realizations came from breaking off those negative ties, having some time to myself, coming into Nevada, um, into Las Vegas, into the art scene, finding poetry, finding spoken word. That was my big... This is where you found it? Yeah, this is where I found it. I had never done spoken word before I moved to Vegas. Cool. Yeah, but I've been writing for so long. Um, I remember one day, I don't even know what happened. I was just online. I was like, I, I wonder if there's open mics. Like, what is that? I don't even know what it is, but I wonder if I can go to one. And I went to one. I read a poem, shattered myself over it. I was so nervous. I was like shaking with my paper in my hands. I was like, oh my God, this is so vulnerable. 
but it felt like family. It felt mm-hmm. so beautiful. And I remember meeting these beautiful artistic people who were just like, wow, we see you. And that's when a shift really started to happen, was poetry. So I bring it back to being a writer. It goes back to that. It, right back to that. Like, I would not be here in this state of mind without poetry, without writing. So at the very, very core, the very center of who I am, I'm a writer. I'm a poet. Um, I am curious about life. Mm. Um, and then, so as, as I grew in poetry, I realized how powerful that platform is for myself. And I wanted to allow that to others. Because again, speaking towards empathic vibes or empathic beings, like I want to see other people thrive as much as myself. Mm-hmm. If I'm thriving, I'd love to be in a garden. I'd love to be thriving with other people. Like, how can I lift others up as I'm lifted up? Well, I saw that in you when we uh, launched the gender-neutral bathrooms. Mm. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, Ash, will you come and make a video oh with me? Remember? I, was, I was nervous about that, too. I know. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm gonna, we're going to do our bathrooms. <laughs> yeah. We're good. We got it this. It was amazing. And I remember I was like, holy shit, she gets it. Yeah. She no, I, I wanted it. you yeah. to share that because it was driven for the community, mm-hmm. by the community. And mm-hmm. I was like... Who would be a really awesome human to like translate mm-hmm. this the most responsibly and the most authentically and mm-hmm. truthfully? And I was like, Ash. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean so much. Totally. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you made me cry. Because, yeah, no, because I was like, it it needs to feel it because that's the intention. Mm-hmm. So I think you are really good at like you come through things and now being on the other side of it, you're like, mm-hmm. how can I raise other people up? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that's and, where I want to be at. Honestly, those bathrooms are always Instagram now. Like, they're always yeah. being tagged in Instagram. Yeah. And, like, you really help launch that, that, like, people are like, wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's, like, cool to care, right? Yeah. And you were, you were really the face of it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate thank you. that. No, I, I even appreciate the fact that I was able to be there or able to share that kind of feeling with other people because, yeah, I do. I believe that. I believe that I was put on this earth for a reason that I'm still trying to figure out but I know that I'm not going to be on my own life path. I'm not going to be where I need to be at unless I appreciate myself first. Mm. Like I need to be able to remove that feeling of, okay, this other person appreciates this part of me and I need to emulate that more. Or I need to be that more because I need them to like me. I need to be likable. I need to adapt. I need to be a chameleon in this sense. Mm-hmm. But you can be a chameleon in other ways. Mm-hmm. You can adapt in other ways to where you can just say, I'm fucking here. I am me and I don't give a shit if you don't like me. That's hard for me. I'm like working towards it. My fiance is like super fucking awesome about helping me like be myself. Like she's like I the got, biggest like, advocate. I got like badass vibes from her. <laughs> oh my like, God. Like, yeah, super uh. like chill and grounded. I was like, damn. <coughs> I just got like a very cool like. Dude, she's phenomenal. And she's writing a book right now, but holy shit, yes. Um, she's a big advocate, I think, of me also seeing who I am for who I am. Um, and I remember the first time that I met her. Oh my God, it was just such a beautiful experience. Like, I was at my open mic. We met at my open mic. Oh my God. Through one of our mutual friends. Stop it. Yeah, right? <laughs> Doing things that we love. Holy shit, yeah. universe. And um, I remember her smile. That's all I really remember of this interaction was her beautiful smile. And I was like, wow. And I was like, I felt a pull or a shift. And I was like, fuck, she's beautiful. Holy shit, what is this? 
And at the time, neither of us were single. You know, neither mm. of us were. We were on the outs of our relationships where we understood that we weren't with. You were on the we, unwind. Yeah, the, yeah, the unwind. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, we You're were like, on. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna start to unwind this. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we were both there, and I think that like we wouldn't have been able to be where we're at now without that experience. Um, but I just remember her like devotion to the cause of my open mic of understanding that was bigger than ourselves and she would always donate money and it would always be 20s like and I just like pe- somebody to donate yeah. money like that or even she would always be like I brought friends with me and I told them they need to donate you know kind of thing of just like understanding even before I understood how big everything was she saw it she mm. saw me she saw me for who I was even then even when I was struggling at my hardest moments um, and now like, I think about when we started dating, I was in a very, very hard place again. I was going through depression. I was like, you know, I just broken up with somebody and I was trying to discover who I was again, um, what it meant to be creative, where my writing was. I had lost everything. I'd lost myself in this relationship. I'd lost myself in um, trying to be a savior when I didn't need to be because mm-hmm. that's for some reason who I am. I like to mm-hmm. save people. At least that's who I used to be. Um, not so much anymore. Um, and like she met me again in that time where she experienced me through this like evolution, I guess, of self. So we had been friends for a little while before we really started dating. Um, but I think she came back in my life at that point on purpose. Again, like there are no coincidences. Yeah. Like the universe sometimes is a petty bitch mm-hmm. who will just be like, ha ha, <laughs> you know? And like, you look yeah. back on it, you're like, you're so fucking petty, man. Yeah. I can't believe this shit. Like, why did it take me so long to see like, it? Why God lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, she came back in my life, and I think in a good point to where I was ready to receive positivity and I didn't even know it. I was at that point where I was struggling. I was surrendering to the universe and I didn't even know that's what I was doing. Um, I was actively trying to get back into things that I loved, like rock climbing. I was trying to get back into open mic scene. Yeah, kind of sounds like. Yeah, it really was because I feel like sometimes you know if you're you're in a relationship, no matter if it's intimate or friendship or family, you can lose yourself in that if you're Mm -hmm. not careful. Um, And again, that's no excuse because I take responsibility for every action, every movement that I made. but for some reason, again, I found myself lost. And again, I was like looking to the universe for answers. And I was like, why do I keep putting myself in these places? Why don't I feel like I'm worthy of abundant love? Like, mm. Why don't I feel that? Like, why don't I feel love for myself? And um, I don't know why. I think that I just, again, became adaptive to this other person needing me to be this person and I became it uh, and I lost it again so I was climbing again I was doing things that I loved again and she comes back into my life full force and this is a beautiful moment to where she told me you are a divine stardust being and I was like what? (laughs) And I looked, I I looked, I feel like I looked around and I looked behind me and I was like, are you talking to me? I was pointing myself, you know, I was like, holy shit, what? What are you talking about me? I, what? She's like, you are a divine stardust being. I was like, what the fuck? 
no, I'm not. I'm just like, yeah, you are. You know, she's very stubborn. Like, she just knows. Like, she's also an empath. She just, amazing, again, amazing human being. Um, and I just, I remember those moments of being very, very big into my development now of who I am today. Because I look at, I look back on who I was a year ago of how wrapped up in my own um, suffocation or suffering uh, and now I don't feel that way anymore. You feel a lot lighter. Do I? Mm-hmm. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. I was with my family recently. I hadn't seen them in you know a few years. Um, and my cousin had stopped me while we were having a conversation, all of us around. They had just met my fiance. It was like such a great night. Oh my God. We were all drinking, you know, around the fire pit in Florida. And um, he told me, he said, you know, you seem really happy. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy for you. And I, we all cried that night, obviously. But I was like, "Holy shit! I feel happy. I feel lighter. Um, I don't." And feel... you're able to be in that family circle now yeah. as yourself. Holy shit! Oh my god! Let me like... tell you about that. I was so scared. I was it, so scared. Have they seen you no. in a while? So mm-hmm. this is the first time they're only like, through like social media. Yeah, meeting you mm-hmm. for real. Right? And I think that that was a big moment for my parents and for my family. Uh, excuse me, because my parents, I think, have struggled with wanting me to be happy and also not understanding my journey. Um, Right. Wanting me to be authentic, but also not understanding what that means Mm -hmm. for me. Or like wanting you to be happy, but within the confines of how they see you to be happy. Because that's comfortable. Right. Right. Because like rarely are we given an opportunity to move out of our comfort zones but we're also given that choice, right? So I think that for me, as their kid, um, I have given them a lot of challenges (laughs) to move past (laughs) their comfort zones. Um, And I think that seeing me in person and experiencing this version of myself, Mm -hmm. who I feel authentically and fully, and I love abundantly, and I feel great being a creative, and I'm doing things that I love every single day. I'm loving a human who loves me abundantly like there are days where I just look at her and I'm just like holy shit like wow you're so beautiful and I love you and she's like I love you and I see you but like not just see you but she sees me yeah and to experience that relationship being so whole and so supportive I think was good for them because they don't have to worry about me anymore no parents, of course, they're always gonna worry, but now they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah." This like, is for me. like my favorite love story. <laughs> Thank God I didn't pull out the bottle of wine because I would be legit crying right now. Right? Like, oh my God. <laughs> Tell me another passage from your love story. Oh my God, and I've written yeah. poems about her to where it's just like, yeah, they're beautiful. And like my parents experienced for the first time seeing me perform poetry, they had wow. never experienced it. We found an open mic in North Carolina. That's where they live randomly but I will say this this is a big magic moment because before this has all happened I posted that me and my fiance we were going to travel you know to North Carolina Tennessee and Florida and I wanted to look for some open mics like I want to get out to see more open mics you know see how they are if anybody has any recommendations on Facebook I posted this if anybody has any recommendations please send them our way like we want to go to open mics like this is who we are I shit you not I get there on Thursday my family and we are at a bar that has a fucking open mic 
that night. Stop it. That night. And I'm like, this is big magic. Oh my God. And I look at them and I'm like, you guys want to go to an open mic? Like, <laughs> this is great. And they're like, yeah, okay, yeah. So we're, you know, we, we drink, we, we eat, and then we go down to the open mic because it was starting a little bit later. And um, I remember I, I was so nervous about I can't to perform in front of my family. And not only that, this open mic had never had poets at their open mic. They'd only had musicians. And I was like, shit. Wow. What do you mean? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so I, I was like even more nervous, not only because I was performing for the first time in front of my family, but also like in front of this crowd who I've never experienced. I don't know how they're going to take my poetry. Right. Um, and where were you in North Carolina? In North Carolina, we were in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Area. So that's a little bit more hip, right? Yeah, Asheville, yeah, a little bit. Kind of, kind yeah. Of. It it was a really awesome venue. It was phenomenal. It was, I think it was called like the Gem or something. Okay. Uh, really, really cool space. Really good vibe. Um, I think their open mic happens like every Thursday night. So to capture it on that night after like we were only there for a week, like it was crazy. And I performed. Um, a love poem for myself, a love poem for my fiance, and then I also performed a poem that I wrote for my mom. And like that poem itself, I had been trying to write a poem about my family for a long time, but I had I had reached a point to where I was so sad I couldn't write anything. I would start it out and I was like, Man, I just miss my family. Like I just wanted them to see who I am. Mm. Like now. And they were experiencing me now, and I was like, well, this is, like, as good as time as any. And I remember talking to my fiancé. I was like, so, like, I'm thinking about doing these poems. What do you think? And she was like, I think you should do that poem about your mom. I was like, oh, shit. You're right. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. And I'm, like, getting really even more nervous. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, you know what? Fuck it. Like, we're already here. Um, and I did. And uh, Dee Dee, my fiancé, she caught, you know, the reactions of my parents like she took pictures of them looking at me as I was on stage um and she was like yeah I was just watching your parents as they were watching you it was beautiful because as soon as you said and this is a poem for my mom she jumped up in there and she's like yeah you know kind of thing of like that's my kid my dad was recording it my dad was taking photos of me on stage and like I don't know this because I'm I can't really see it like I'm like trying to focus on my poem right reading you're in the my zone phone, like you know, so the fact that she was there and that proves like how much she loves me of like, I need you to understand this experience that I had while you were experiencing your own thing. Like, and this is important for me to reflect to you because I know how much this means to you. And so like all of those moments of like poetry again, it was just like, holy shit. Mm. I'm where I'm supposed to be this is it. Like my parents seeing me for who I am, my parents having conversations with me now, um, to where again, they don't have to worry as much. Maybe, hopefully crossing my fingers, my mom doesn't have to worry about me as much because she knows like I'm being taken care of. I'm taking care of myself. Like I'm loving myself fully. I'm appreciating the value of the upbringing that I had and where I started out from being a creative soul, you know, and, and talking to my mom about, yeah, you know, like I have a poetry residency at a school. I, I also teach poetry in schools. Love it. Um, <clears throat> you know, telling her these things and, uh, you know, talking about how I quit my job and did creative living full time now. And it's like a struggle, but it's not something I really feel like I need to complain about because it's also vastly beautiful. Yes. It's, um, 
it's just such a great thing to wake up every day and do something that you love. Amen. And be with somebody that you love. Mm-hmm. And be someone that you love. That's the biggest. Holy shit. Like, I look in a mirror actively, and I do this for myself a lot, of, I love you, or, wow, you're attractive, or, wow, your eyes are so green today. Like, I didn't notice that yesterday. Or, holy shit, your beard's coming in strong, dude. Yeah, yeah. fist bump. You know, because they're yeah. like, thanks, testosterone. You're amazing. Whatever I can do. And your do, beard is very sweet. Thank you. <laughs> it's a good beard. <laughs> thanks. It's very red. It's become very red. It's awesome. Okay. I love let's, it. Let's do Apparently it. Apparently, it's in my genes. Um, and, like, being in those moments of seeing the beautiful uh, beauties of the universe, I have this poem that I wrote, uh, that I, it speaks to what I've learned. Um, and I wrote, it says, uh, depression is the absence of gratitude. And I came into that, I feel like, very slowly, of realizing that I was not being grateful for things that I had in my life, being grateful for the love that I had in my life. But once I started to become grateful, even in small steps, well, I'm grateful that I'm awake today. I'm grateful for the sunshine. I'm grateful that this person sees something in me that I haven't yet been able to see myself. Um, And I'm grateful for who I am. Because later on, I wrote the second part of that poem that says, depression is, if depression is the absence of gratitude, then my first step um, towards appreciation was looking in the mirror and saying, I appreciate you my first step towards that evolution was really, really understanding that I needed to appreciate myself first. I needed to love myself first before I had that expectation of anybody else loving me. And that, again, it comes from the experiences that I've had through poetry or experiencing people utilizing the platform of open mics to be authentic and find that within themselves. And it's inspired me to grow. It's inspired me to find my own truth. Um, so I, I do that within my open mic of, it's kind of like a trick. Like I have a lot of dad jokes that I throw out when I'm hosting. Um, I love dad jokes. Love it. Fun fact. Um, and I also started to do this thing to where I, I, you know, I'm talking to everybody in the audience and I I have the mic and I, I say, you know, all right, so let's kind of, you know, have a conversation here, you know, um, raise your hand if you're in love. A lot of times, you know, people are really shy about raising their hand. Yeah. You know, they're like, ooh, being in love. It's like such a childish yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. We all like get all giddy. We're like, what do you mean? You know, like, what are you going to try to do this? You know, like, what's the what's the ulterior motive here? Like, right, you know, right, they always right. think it's a trap. And it kind of is, but it's a positive trap. Um, and I look at them and I'm like, you know, it's okay. Like, everybody's in love. Like, I'm in love. And I'm like, I'll put two hands up. Hell. Um, so that happens. You know, I kind of, you know, giggle with the crowd. You know, we're talking. And, and I'm like, you know... The one thing that I'd really like to see the next time I ask that question is everybody's hands go into the air. Because the biggest thing that I've ever learned is that you need to be in love with yourself first. How can you be in love with anybody else before you're in love with yourself first? So as we go on this journey together, whether that be through the open mic or you go and do your own thing, like understand that you deserve to be loved. This is your permission slip to love yourself first. Don't ever let anybody tell you that that's not an expectation first. Like, that is the forefront of any relationship. Like, you, 
you die with yourself at the end of the day. Mm. Like you, you leave with yourself every day. Like how can you make your life abundant for yourself in love? Damn. Yes. <laughs> like it's, it's so it. great though, because you see that reaction in people to where, and I've done this in high schools. I've done this of people like of kids, you know, and they don't realize that they need that permission. They're never told that they're supposed to love themselves first. They don't know that innately. Like, it's something that I feel like we learn by the people we surround ourselves with or by people who have come into that realization and they share it with us. But it also, I feel like, sometimes just comes from intense struggle of loving yourself. Like, that's the only option. Like, for me, it was the only option. Like, I could not do anything else before I loved myself. And then creativity was like, well, since you love yourself, we might as well make life fun. What can we do? <laughs> All the tie-dye. Yeah, like, let's tie-dye this shit up. Like, yeah. what else can you do? Like, where, where else can you experience creativity that you love it? Um, and for me, I don't feel pressure in tie-dye. Like, it's not something I'm fully, fully invested in. Yes, I make, I make money off of it, and it's great, and I love that I can do that. I'm afforded that opportunity. It's a very big privilege. I don't take lightly, um, but it's not where my whole heart is, and I think that's why I can I can play with it so well. Because writing is where my heart is. Mm. Writing is the hardest for me. Writing is like sometimes where I'm like, "Yo, dude, you don't have to take this so seriously. Like, you yeah. love this a lot. Like, don't take it so seriously. The more serious you take it, the less you can be clear. The less you can be authentic. Um, and that also talks to topics." in Big Magic, like Elizabeth Gilbert talks on those topics. And when I listen to that book, when I listen to it, and I really, really, I'm feeling it, I just cry. I'm just like, wow, like you get it. You get it as a creative soul. When you're having one of those rough days and to mm. wrap up the conversation, because yeah. I can literally talk to you for hours. Oh my God, and me too. <laughs> too. Um, if someone's <coughs> in that space where they're just having like an off day mm-hmm. or they're going through it and they're like maybe on the plane to see their family that they haven't seen, like their family hasn't seen their true self, right? And they're right, on that right. fucking plane. I know it. I get anxiety too just thinking about going back home. Yeah. Um, what would you tell someone in that moment where they have to like kind of conjure up any bravery that they could <laughs> muster or like... Mm. They're just, they're on that plane, right? They're, or they're thinking about signing up for the open mic. Or they they know that there is a part of them that they really need to express, but they just haven't found that yet. Like, what would be the one or two words you would tell someone who's on that cusp? On the cusp. Being on the cusp. Um, I love you. Hmm. If that's all that you need to get through the day, just know that I love you. Um, If that helps. But I also think that um, another telling thing would be to be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Yeah. Um, And as as hard as it could be, still go for it. Yeah, because I think that it's hard now. Because it's supposed to be. Mm. I go back to diamonds. Like, you're becoming a diamond. Understand that it's not always going to be easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Like, 
just be you. Just mm-hmm. be brave in that sense that you were put on this universe on purpose. Discover what that means. Start to be curious. How can you cultivate that within yourself and within your community? Where do you go when you're curious? What inspires you? Um, I think that those are big, valuable lessons that I'm still learning. Um, the biggest one, again, is like loving yourself first. Love yourself first. Everything else falls into place second. That's, that's the biggest thing I could ever tell anybody. And that's the hardest thing yeah. to learn. No, it's the hardest, but it, it's the core. And maybe that's something you write on your mirror every day. Maybe that's like a text message you have someone send you or you have a note that you look at that just is a reminder of who you are. It's be brave. Mm. Be brave in this life. The universe made you oh, for a reason. I literally have that pin on. <laughs> I love that's it. That's so funny. That's yeah. big magic. Yeah, perfect. So and then yeah. how can people find you? Through your art, um, uh, open mics? There are a few different pathways. Uh, so I have my writing Instagram is ash.delgrego on Instagram. Um, so you can find me there. You can also find um, my artwork is at transmission uh, LV, mm-hmm. trans.missionlv on Instagram and Facebook. It's the same with the writing. Um, and then also like, if you want to come to the open mic, it's at the campfire LV on Instagram. Um, we recently went through an evolution. We were called something else for about two years. I remember, but, um, we evolved past it. We're now like a very deep campfire family. That's what I feel like every time I'm around a campfire, surrounded by family, telling our greatest stories, celebrating each other and supporting each other. Um, so yeah, you can find me there and reach out anytime. Like I am, I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Like Thank I, you. I appreciate you so much as a person and Same. what you're doing in life. Same. Yeah. And when I'm having a hard day, I'll be <laughs> listening to this podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'd be like, uh, what, uh, what, what did I say that great yeah. stuff? Like, yeah. let's, let's go back to that. Let's like, go back to that. And yeah. And, and, um, well, thank you for sharing. You. Cause I felt like it was very, very like honest it and was. real and true yeah. so thank you it's the most authentic i could ever be so i appreciate that because i feel safe here and that that means a in lot. this tiny house in thank you ti- Ferguson. beautiful tiny house yeah <laughs> i love it here like shout out to ferguson's shout <laughs> thank out to you, you. Thank, thank you, you brianna. so much brianna for for helping. she's so zen i know she is like yeah. she just has like this calming energy yeah. about her yeah. like it, comfortable instantly thank you perfect well, thank you so much, and thank you for listening to With Brave Company Podcast. Ooh. I changed the name. Diana's <laughs> probably going to kill me. But <laughs> conversations uh, with brave people, I keep coming back <laughs> to it. And this is an awesome representation of the conversations I seek to have. So thank, thank you. you so much, Ash. And yeah, uh, follow him and all the things and yeah, all the businesses and um, experiences. And stay tuned for next week's episode. Woo. Woo. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>